Welcome to the Prioritizing Prevention, Translating Science to Practice podcast. Our goal is to prioritize prevention conversations that matter. Our topic for today is workforce development with special guest director, Lori Chris. Now here's our host, Holly Raffle. Welcome to the inaugural edition of the Ohio Center of Excellence for Behavioral Health Prevention and Promotion podcast series. I'm Holly Raffle, the founding faculty director of the center, and I am so excited to be here today with our first podcast guest, the Ohio Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services Director, Lori Kranz. Lori, welcome. Hi, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Great to be part of the inaugural event. It's wonderful. Absolutely. Uh, as we begin, we're taping here in January of 2023. And at the beginning of the year, oftentimes I start reflecting on where I've been, where I am now, and where I'm going. So can you talk about a little bit of some of those milestones along your way of becoming the director of a state agency? And what were those key milestones that you think got you to where you are? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think first and foremost is probably my most formative years growing up in eastern Ohio, part of uh, Appalachia. I grew up in Jefferson County and um, in a small community where relationships were key. Uh, you know, for a lot of us, that's all we really had. And um, every relationship meant something important. And so I think that opportunity to really value people, to listen to people, to believe them, understand them. And then that that small community effort of um, everyone pitching in towards uh, making the community better. That's something that I grew up with. Both my parents were public servants and uh, the importance of family and community was something that was really emphasized in our house. And so I know that's probably from the most formative standpoint, um, really important to me. Throughout my career, you know, choosing social work, I think mattered and my ability to be uh, the director here at the department now, in terms of the education I got, the experience that I received um, through that education, but also in my practice. I, I spent about 18 years at working in the community behavioral health field uh, with homeless women and their children. And uh, we provided long-term services and support. So really got to know people well, work alongside people in recovery, and work with kids who were interested in um, prevention. And so I, I got this full exposure to what a family in recovery needed to live healthy, purposeful, hopeful lives. And um, that was was truly foundational for me. Yep. And then, of course, the working at the um, Ohio Council, I got a lot of the policy exposure. So uh, that micro, macro level, which is important in social work, just really looking at the mental health and addiction field from all angles before I arrived here at, at the department. Thank you for kind of reflecting back. And so as you reflect forward on what's to come this year, what are some of those goals that you have that you're, you've been kind of thinking about or ruminating in your brain? Yeah. Well, you know, Governor DeWine set uh, the goals pretty pretty well for us. He has a strong vision for the future of mental health and addiction in Ohio, and that will be the best in mental health promotion and substance use disorder prevention that will be the best place to access care and that we will be driving innovation and research. So really stemming from all of that, uh, we've got a good guiding vision for us straight from the top. For me here at the department, 
really still focusing on early identification and intervention, knowing signs and symptoms, helping people know that in community settings, at home, school, work, in healthcare, and getting help early, making help visible and accessible, and really helping people thrive at home. Thank you. It's a big uh, task. Uh, you have such an amazing, you know, staff at the department, but also everyone in the community who is behind their vision and goals and, and all those people you see and all those people you don't see working towards that same goal. It just must be really amazing to be part of. It really is. I'm so proud to represent, you know, the nearly 3,000 people that work here in the department. And they're working in direct care in our hospitals and in the prisons and in the community and also supporting uh, funding flowing out to communities, the regulatory environment and um, clients' rights officers and just lots of great work that's happening. Our, our core values really emphasize collaboration, accountability, quality, and serving with compassion, always remembering that there's a, a person, a family, a community at the center of this work and at the end of every call I make or decision I make too. And so that's really what we center ourselves in. And, and I see the community doing that as well. Absolutely. Well, this month's focus for the Center of Excellence of Behavioral Health Prevention and Promotion is workforce development. And I had the opportunity to attend the Director Summit last August and workforce development was certainly a big focus of that event. So my first question for you is how can workforce development efforts centered on the field of behavioral health play an essential role in building a helpful and hopeful Ohio? Well, the number one thing we hear right now is that there's just not enough people to meet the demand for services and support. And I think part of that is because we've made it okay to talk about mental health and wellness, to talk about substance use disorders, to really understand that prevention works, that treatment works, that people recover and more people are interested in getting support. So we've also seen challenges rising over the past 15 years for youth and over the past few years with the pandemic, more just general awareness of mental health. So building this workforce and making sure that we have the right number of people in the workforce in a variety of different capacities from peer supporters and navigators to uh, trained and licensed counselors and social workers, nurses, doctors, um, preventionists, just working across multi-disciplines um, to make sure we have the right number of people to meet the need is our top priority. And also making sure that we have a diverse workforce is really important. We want every single Ohioan to see themselves in the behavioral health workforce and so they can really grow in that trust they have for us and the work that we do and the confidence that they have that we'll be able to help them meet their goals. So that diversity piece is really essential to the work that we're doing as well. So we've all seen in the news that Governor DeWine is prioritizing behavioral health care workforce, and there's this $85 million investment through the Ohio Department of Medicaid as part of the American Rescue Plan Act to ensure that Ohio has the most robust behavioral health floor of workforce possible. So what do Ohioans look forward to in the coming years as this investment begins to take shape and actually become actualized? Yeah. Well, we're really excited that the um, at the end of 2022, those dollars were actually approved by the Ohio General Assembly and signed into law. And so we can start in earnest into the work around that. We've been doing a lot of planning up to this point. So our department is partnering with the Department of Higher Education 
to engage degree and credential programs across the state and two-year and four-year programs to help attract students into those degrees and to graduate within the next two years with uh, those associate degrees or bachelor level or master's degrees and have access to paid internships, uh, tuition assistance, or scholarships that will help them quickly uh, enter into those degree programs and, and then graduate with those degrees as well. So that's that's the cornerstone of that $85 million. Alongside of that, though, some investment is going to go out to those behavioral health employers who are going to be mentoring and supervising and providing a quality internship experience for people while they're getting their degrees. It's going to get people into the workforce more quickly, and it's going to give them a quality experience. And then the final piece of that is really standing up a technical assistance center for behavioral health workforce that will be centered here at our department. It's going to help with recruitment, retention, building these pathways from middle school and high school into behavioral health as an exciting career and an opportunity for them to grow as professionals, but also welcome people in from other career paths that they might be on to check out the behavioral health workforce and to support our current workforce and making sure they feel that they have uh, cutting edge practices and resources to deliver good care as well. So a lot, and that that really spans prevention, harm reduction, treatment and recovery workforce. So really the, the 85 million is specifically around treatment, it's through Medicaid, but the rest of the work is really to fully build out the entire behavioral health workforce. Absolutely. And I always love that metaphor. And I've heard you say it, and I've also heard the governor reference it, is that our behavioral health system isn't broken, right? It hasn't been fully actualized. And I think we're seeing, like you said, more and more people are becoming aware and they're having the language to talk about behavioral health more. And as our communities become more ready, we are now able to respond. And as you know, most of our listeners here for our podcast uh, work within the prevention and promotion parts of that continuum of care. And as you just talked about, prevention is a key part of the workforce development plan that's being put forth by the department. So what opportunities do you see that are specifically for that prevention and promotion workforce? Yeah, well, the technical assistance center that I just mentioned is certainly something that will be open to the prevention workforce and really open to all behavioral health workforce to even look at gaining those prevention credentials and expanding their uh, ability to practice in the prevention space. So really wanting to help people expand and grow. But all of the work that we're doing in the Centers of Excellence, like this Ohio Center of Excellence for Behavioral Health uh, Prevention and, and Promotion, is to support the workforce. So helping coalitions have access to resources and information that allow them to flourish in their local communities helping those individual practitioners gain the skill sets that they need as well to uh, pursue their certificate and then practice with, with great confidence and good outcomes. Thank you. And now I just want to really bring it down to that very personal level, because when people think of workforce development, the notions of recruitment, training, retention, um, they come to the forefront, right? And we start, we tend to think about the macro level, but workforce development can encompass so much more, especially given the dynamic nature of both jobs and careers and the individuals who are in that workforce. While there are many systemic efforts that are geared towards workforce development, the central to center the worker, right? And all of these efforts uh, by enabling and encouraging workers to choose their own professional development adventure. 
So as we start this calendar year, which is, again, a time of reflection for so many people, what would you say to those folks who are in um, behavioral health or specifically prevention and promotion as they consider ways to nurture their own careers during the coming year? I hope that everyone that's working in the behavioral health field can really take time to self-reflect. Over the past two years with the pandemic, we've all been really working with great urgency. And uh, that urgency needs to continue, of course, but we have to also sometimes slow down so that we can speed up, right? And have those opportunities for self-reflection, self-care, and really recentering ourselves and, and creating an intentional pathway forward. There's a lot of opportunity that's been created over the past three to four years in the behavioral health work space. And um, with all of the workforce development opportunities and plugging into things like this center of excellence, Take some time, slow down, check out the landscape, see what's new that you weren't aware was even developed, see what you might want to dive into to advance your own personal goals. And, and with that, start by just reflecting on what those goals are and then how you can intentionally connect your why to the why that's being uh, pursued on a larger basis here in Ohio. Thank you. It's always good to, to pause and think about what your why is and you know, I do that quite often. And it was a truly pivotal point in my career in behavioral health to have Ohio University going to School of Leadership and Public Service be named the home of Ohio Center of Excellence. Um, I am so humbled and honored to be the faculty director uh, and lead a facilitation team and a team of community partners that are dedicated toward advancing and elevating the science of prevention in Ohio. Um, so I'm just curious, what do you feel are the biggest challenges facing the behavioral health prevention and prevention community today? Well, first, I want to say it, it was a pivotal thing for Ohio when Ohio University and you under your leadership got this contract, too. I think it's uh, just a tremendous opportunity to build on the the foundation and the success that, that you've had professionally and that the state has had uh, with your leadership. So I want to thank you there. But thinking about the challenges that we're facing together in this work, uh, you know, it go again, it goes back to that current demand for the workforce. We know that as Governor DeWine has elevated having prevention in every classroom for every kid in every school in Ohio, that that's created a demand for the prevention workforce in school settings across the state. And so community-based providers are, are looking for preventionists. Schools are looking for preventionists. As we elevate early identification and intervention in primary care, now pediatric practices are looking for preventionists too. So there's a lot of demand created and, and that workforce is something that is um, certainly something that is a big challenge. I also think that preventionists are really um, kind of harkening back to the last question. They're pulled in a lot of directions. There's a lot of demand in the, the community right now for good prevention, promotion and behavioral health work. And so um, that challenge for people not to burn out, but to take care of themselves and then to fully participate. Uh, in the work environment is a big challenge as well. Absolutely. And when we keep those lights kind of shining or those candles burning, um, we have a stronger workforce. Um, so what do you feel are the biggest strengths of the prevention and uh, promotion community today? Well, Ohio is really held up nationally as a very progressive place for prevention services and that we're very... Um, innovative and really a leader in this space. A lot of people look to Ohio for the work that we do. 
And that's because we've always relied on science, right? We look at what are the proven practices that will get good outcomes for the people of Ohio. And then that's what we focus on. And, and that's what we're doing with the Center of Excellence, right? I think that's exciting. Uh, that's a great strength that we have here is that we're building those evidence-based practices and good work in communities across the state through this focused, centralized spot. And also the ability to really connect with and impact individuals of all ages in Ohio, in every community in Ohio, all families, uh, and society is a, a larger whole to make those changes that we need in, in our fabric. Um, Ohio has so much diversity, and that's another part of, I think, the, the exciting strengths that we have is that we recognize that diversity, whether it's uh, families living in metropolitan areas, urban cores, rural and Appalachian parts of the state. We're really recognizing in a very strengths-based way what each contributes to the positive environment and culture in Ohio and how we can lift that up and amplify that. Uh, so lots of great strengths here that we have in Ohio. Absolutely. Um, so coming back, you talked about how the Center of Excellence is, is new and what was the impetus for creating the Center of Excellence for Behavioral Health and Prevention and Promotion? So Governor DeWine prioritized kids first and foremost. That's been a career long dedication for him as helping each child develop to their full potential. And he also, on his first night, uh, in his first term as he was elected, prioritized prevention for uh, our work here at the department. And so, and he created the Recovery Ohio Advisory Council. So when you look at his first actions out of the gate uh, as the newly elected governor in 2019, that gave us a lot of opportunity to take a look at what were the strategies that the prevention community had wanted to develop for years that we hadn't yet had the opportunity to grow and to really build on those evidence-based practices and help to bring the, the state and the local and the federal resources together in a, a concentrated way to make the most outcome. And that's where we started looking at how do we lift up the proven practices, the evidence-based strategies? How do we make those available to communities across the state, regardless of the resources that they have? in a way that's free and accessible, and that not just to drop some information on a community and walk away, but to have people who will walk alongside them as they grow and develop in their prevention practices. So all of those things really came together to help us uh, grow and focus on this mental and emotional and behavioral health center of excellence for prevention and health promotion. Thank you so much. Um, we really appreciate that continued investment in prevention and promotion in Ohio and your leadership behind that. Um, how do you see the center adding value to the behavioral health prevention in Ohio? I think there's been a lot of trainings and information available at national level and, and from our department over the years. Um, I, I think the Center of Excellence really does provide this platform for the field to truly connect with quality resources and develop these evidence-based programs in a, in a supported way. So they're not just out there in the community on their own. And, um, but there's a group that wakes up every single day thinking about how to make prevention better in Ohio. You know, we've got dedicated provider organizations, strong relationships there, the alcohol, drug, mental health, and recovery boards around the state, 
all are planning for prevention services in communities, schools, primary care, uh, even law enforcement and first responders are in many ways engaged in this space. So this just gives them that one place they can look to that will help them truly grow and develop proven practices for better outcomes for their communities. So how would you like to see the center evolve during your tenure at the department? My hope for the center is that it will become this training ground, this gathering place for people who are interested in best practices and prevention. And that more people will recognize the value of that through the good work that's done with the Center of Excellence, that people will feel like they do have this place that they connect to. And it's more than just a resource that's online or a training they go to, but a community of practice that they're really proud to be part of. And uh, the Center of Excellence is, is the, the gathering spot for that. Thank you. That's exciting. And, you know, being a startup is new and has all sorts of challenges, but having that big vision out there and how do we know that we're successful and, and what are we aiming for um, is always helpful. Uh, so thank you for sharing your thought. So prevention science has two key areas of focus. So we have folks who dedicated their careers to de developing those evidence-based programs, policies, and practices that reduce risk factors and enhance our protective factors to improve the health and well-being of individuals, families, and communities. And then you have another group of folks who are creating those research-informed processes that support prevention specialists, prevention providers, coalitions, and implementing those programs into the community setting in a way that's culturally relevant and sustainable. And the role of the center is more aligned with kind of the second vision, right? We're not here to develop the next latest and greatest program, but we're here to say what is out there and how can we utilize the research informed process of the strategic prevention framework or SIF, as a lot of people call it, to identify areas of concern in the community and then select and implement those programs that are evidence-based, culturally relevant, and sustainable. So how have you seen the Strategic Prevention Framework, or SIS, uh, successfully utilized in Ohio? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. That is the, the hope that we're going to take science and apply it to practice, right? And that uh, we'll do it more rapidly than typically what happens. I've, I've read that it can take 18 years from when something is proven to be effective to when it becomes more widely used in practice, we want to shorten that time. And the, the center is here dedicated to that. And we know that the strategic prevention framework works because we've used it for years in Ohio. It's something that a lot of people have relied on in building those community coalitions, using data to inform processes, and, um, and then outcome measuring, right? And building those relationships to, to bring all of the resources in a community together. So we see this working in prevention coalitions around the state. Uh, we see that those communities that are using strategic prevention framework to build those coalitions are also having success in other parts of their behavioral health work. So uh, recently I was talking to our treatment team around some resources we have for adults with chronic psychiatric conditions. And they we have a new program where there's uh, some money that's available to communities for them to identify people who are struggling to find stability locally. And that the community comes together and works with that person around goal setting and then resources are available to help them advance these goals. It's a, a new way of thinking and doing things here in Ohio. And what we started to see was those 
communities that have strong coalitions using the strategic prevention framework are more rapidly able to come together as a coalition of treatment providers as well, who are then doing that system level planning and individual goal setting with that, the person in need and helping them more rapidly move into those community supports that they need. And it's, it's an extension because of, of the strategic prevention framework, right? Because they know how to do the relationships. They know how to use data. They know how to set goals and measure progress. And we see them doing that in other parts of their work now too. It's very exciting. Thank you so much for sharing that story. It's really a great segue into our next question because we know this fit is a research informed process that's necessary for prevention, but it's a planning process, right? So sometimes it's not sufficient. The best part to me about the strategic prevention framework is that it can be paired with a lot of other frameworks like you talked about, right? It doesn't um, matter what that local context is. It's a good planning framework. And then when you pair it with something else, it becomes so much more powerful. We've seen the strategic prevention framework uh, paired with the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Suicide Prevention Resources for Action. We've seen it paired with Deloitte's um, ecosystem for fighting the opioid crisis. We've seen it um, paired with collective impact, right? Um, which can expand the use of the SPIS beyond substance use prevention, and it can kind of go into other areas. So how can the system or the expansion of the term substance use prevention to behavioral health prevention and promotion support Ohio's uh, behavioral health care system? Well, we really do recognize that for a lot of people with substance use disorders, there is an underlying mental health condition. Uh, that maybe they were self-medicating or perhaps they have a mental health condition that has occurred, um, you know, in the process of their substance use disorder. But we also know that there's strong links between suicide, depression, problem gambling, and uh, other conditions. And so what we want to do is really lift up good science. So we know that those core elements of prevention and promotion, the science behind those, are helpful in any, any way that a person wants to be well. So preventing substance use, promoting mental health, preventing bullying, preventing interpersonal violence, preventing uh, problem gambling. The same basic strategies work in any area where a person might be setting goals. So we don't want to be artificial and just create specific programs uh, based on a, a single issue. We want to use the good science to drive our strategies for really helping each Ohioan live their best life and having a, a more healthy, hopeful Ohio. Absolutely. Thank you. And an area that we, I'd like to talk a little bit about is youth, right? Ohio is the home of youth-led prevention and youth-led groups play an important role in the prevention system in Ohio. We know that these groups grounded in the youth empowerment conceptual framework, right, an evidence-based framework, uh, that Ohio's really been home to that effort. And folks look to the preventionists in Ohio who uh, call themselves adult allies, those ones who really play that crucial role in the development of youth. Um, and investments in youth-led prevention have sustained across, you know, gubernatorial 10 years. It's something that's been at the forefront under multiple administrations. Some youth-led programs really thrive during COVID-19 and others experience struggle like to no fault of their own, right? A lot of things kind of went a little bit dormant during COVID-19 or, or really experienced stress. 
Uh, what we're seeing now is that youth blood is being ignited and youth are coming back. Um, so what would you say to those adult allies who just support people um, by engaging in youth life efforts today as we approach a new year? Yeah, the Ohio Adult Allies is a really important part of the prevention network here in Ohio. And the adults that are dedicating their time and their expertise to helping youth connect to one another, but have a trusting adult who's providing them with good resources and information is just the strongest foundation that we could be building this work on. People are really, and young people are, are really starting to connect to understanding mental health, understanding substance use disorders, looking for ways to promote wellness, embracing diversity, and uh, really wanting a different environment. So adult allies play a very, very important role in helping youth guide themselves to evidence-based information, good work that can be built upon, but still led from that youth perspective. I know in my own life that I had some adults that really spent a lot of time with me as a young person, as a teenager, and, um, and my, my friends and my peers, and helped us take all of that creative energy that we had and channel it into good things for ourselves and for our community. I still think of those adults. Um, I still stay connected to some of them and uh, appreciate what I learned from them. And then, and now we as adults have the opportunity to mentor and pass that on. Absolutely. I started uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, and we used to call it peer counseling back then before we realized that it was a really bad idea. And we need to be very specific about that word yes. counseling and move it into youth life prevention. <laughs> so I've been That's around right. a lot. Oh, well, and we didn't even call ours youth blood prevention, but as I look back, there was um, the administrator at our swimming pool. There were a bunch of us that were hanging out. And when the pool closed, he recognized we didn't have another place that we could go and gather that was supervised. And so we talked to him about starting a youth center in our community. And then he talked to city council. And, you know, it just takes those adults helping to open some doors and create pathways forward and channeling that energy into something good. So um, it's great that we have youth led prevention now and that youth recognize it and adults recognize it for their, the value that it has. Absolutely. We know by the true definition of empowerment that people don't become empowered alone. They need to be empowered in a group of people. And what they're empowered to do is make that community level change. And so we're going to use that textbook definition, um, coalitions, community-based coalitions fit that definition as well. And community-based coalitions are rooted in that community coalition action theory. And they play such an important role, as we've alluded to several times in our conversation today in the behavioral health care system. The department's investment in the New Ohio Coalition Initiative demonstrates the value that coalitions bring to the table in a very tangible way. What excites you the most about this effort focused on expanding the science coalitions to more coalition leaders and members throughout the state? Yeah, well, the Coalition Institute is really going to continue to grow uh, the excellence of coalitions that we have around the state and the volume of coalitions. We know that people come together out of good intentions, right, to make a change. Maybe it's based on personal experience, but they often feel very alone in that experience of wanting to make the change. By having this Coalition Institute, people have a spot that they can go to to learn best practices, to advance the goals they set out, and to feel less alone. So, you know, this coalition of coalitions is really um, a, a place of strength for these folks. 
And it helps also with standardizing and enhancing the best practices in coalition work too. So that people aren't, like you said, uh, you know, just kind of finding their own way. Uh, they're, they're connected to someone who can empower them to seek the right path forward and, and move down the track and make the progress they're, they're hoping to. Thank you so much for being our inaugural guest here today. And Director Chris, I could talk to you forever, um, but I know our listeners want a podcast that is a manageable length for them as they're out hopefully taking a walk or enjoying nature. And they see this um, as a micro-professional development and as an act of self-care. Uh, so as we land this plane, um, I'd like to wrap up with just um, some rapid fire fun questions to help our guests get a, to know a little bit more about you. So my first question is, is if you had to pick would it be snow or rain? It would be rain, but the temperature would be 70. Warm and rainy. Yes. <laughs> Cold rain, <laughs> not so much. <laughs> not at all. Not, not at all. When you're seeking adventure, are you a mountain person or a beach person? Mountains. And finally, the last question. You're reaching in that bowl of M&Ms, plain or peanut? Pain. Thank you so much for your continued support of prevention in Ohio, uh, as well as your support of the entire continuum of care. We really appreciate your leadership. We really appreciate how you are centering behavioral health care workers um, in the 2023 uh, and seeing that as a way to center patients, clients, children, youth, and families, right? And so when we keep the people at the center of the work, um, we know that we get the best results. And I just couldn't be prouder uh, to work in behavioral health prevention and promotion in the state of Ohio. So thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. You're welcome. We're grateful for your service. And I'm grateful to have this opportunity to serve and grateful again for Governor DeWine, you know, Lieutenant Governor Houston for their vision for this space and then the opportunity for all of us together to get this done. So thanks for having me as your first guest. What an honor. Absolutely. And to our listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, be sure to check the show notes for um, any additional information. And if you haven't already become connected to the center, check us out at preventioncoe.ohio.gov. This has been the Prioritizing Prevention Podcast. For more episodes, you can find us on Spotify, YouTube, Google Play, Apple Music, and many more. This program is funded by Ohio Mental Health and Addiction Services. And for more information about us, please visit preventioncoe.ohio.gov. Thank you for listening.